today's episode, we talk about our genitals, our feelings on fish, and how fast can you paint a cow? All that and more coming up. Hello everybody and welcome to the 10th episode of Our Science. I'm your host, Alan Collier, and joining me today is Sarah Vokey. Welcome to the jungle. And Kyle Bine. How do I follow that? <laughs> Just doesn't even phase Just me anymore. Say- it gets worse here every day. How's everyone doing? We don't care. They can't <laughs> answer us anyways. Well, you know what? Sometimes people like to be asked, you know? I care. If you're out there, they just hey, like to know hey you. I care. Kyle cares. I don't. Our first paper today comes from arstechnia.com and the Journal of Nature Medicine. Vaginal fluid transplants treat incurable condition in pilot study fully restoring healthy microbiomes in four of five women with bacterial vaginosis, which could revolutionize the way we view and treat conditions affecting the female reproductive tract. Can... All right. Okay, can, so can I get something out of the way first? It's nitpicky, it's semantics, but it's very important, and it's an issue with the headline versus the contents of the paper. Go for it. In the headline, it refers to incurable bacterial vaginosis. There is no such thing as incurable bacterial vaginosis. What there is, and what they discuss in the article, is intractable bacterial vaginosis. So this is a very important distinction of words where like they, they sensationalize it in the headline to make it seem like, oh, we cure this incurable thing. Bacterial vaginosis is a bacterial infection of the vagina. It's based on, there's issues with the microbiome, it's a, it's a whole thing, but it can be intractable, not incurable. So intractable is when a condition resists treatment, it's very challenging to treat. It's not that it's incurable, it can be cured, but it doesn't respond well to most traditional methods of treatment. Incurable is like, there is nothing we can do, there is no treatment, there's no solution. There's a big difference between incurable and intractable, and Throughout the article, they do a good job of using the word intractable, but they sensationalize the headline for the sake of clicking, and that bothered me. Thank you for coming to Kyle's TED Talk. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. No, like, (laughs) I think that that's a really, really good point that you brought up. It's something that comes up in a lot of medical papers because health is so important to so many people. And so when you talk about an incurable illness, it's like, oh my goodness, we cured this incurable thing. And it's like a great win for the medical community. And this is a great win for the medical community. It's a really cool procedure. It's used the right word. There's a difference. Yeah, I didn't know that. I was surprised when I read the headline. I was surprised to find that it was incurable. It seemed yeah. extreme. But... Yeah, and then you read the article, yeah. and it's like, wow, this is actually a very mm-hmm. well-done article that explains what it's talking about, but it's talking about something that is just very hard to treat. Treatment resistant. There's yes, the word I'm it's, looking it's for. Treatment Why couldn't resistant. they use the word treatment resistant? There you go. It is a well-written article with some interesting language choices that... Also interesting image choices. Yes. Yeah. That's what I was thinking, yeah. too. We can't show vaginas, so here's a picture of a graceful flower petal dropping dew onto another flower petal <laughs> because vaginas are flowers, and we can't because we can't discuss women's... symbolism. Yes. All vaginas are flowers. Yeah, obviously. The thumbnail was a bit misleading, I thought. I wasn't really sure what I was looking at. Well, you know, that. a lot of men have trouble well, finding the... flowers. A lot of ah, men right. have trouble working their way around the female reproductive system, so... Especially when they're actually looking at a picture yes. of two flowers. A lot of men have trouble uh, figuring out the one-to-one comparison of flowers and vaginas. Yes. Mainly because everyone 
has a problem. <laughs> yes, With the thank one-to-one you. One comparison of flowers and vaginas. Also, men compare their genitals to pretty much anything they see in front yeah. of them. Hot dogs, this is banana, lots of fruits and vegetables. <laughs> Any, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't even have to be that. It can be yeah. literally anything we see in front of us. Yeah. Look to your right. That object is now what you compare your genitals to. Well, that's a bookcase, and I'm okay with this. <laughs> mine is a freshly washed sock. Uh, well, at least it's freshly is, washed. Uh, so my vagina is a book called Now Discover Your Strengths. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, a really, like, science is so cool, and I, I, there's this impulse to read the headline and be like, it's gross, it's about the vagina, but also it's super cool and it reflects what we're learning more and more about health and like the microbiome. Like your body's microbial culture is so important. If that's out of whack, and we don't know a lot about what our microbiomes do, we're still learning that, but if it's out, we know that if it's out of whack, it's bad. And, yeah. and so we're seeing a lot of studies recently coming out about how your microbiome can affect you in various fun and unexpected ways. Yes. Fun is our way of describing it. They, they make the comparison in the article to um, fecal matter transplants, which again, sounds gross. Cause like if you're inserting someone's poop into your body, but at the same time you're in. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that it sounds gross it's, as much as it is gross. It, I mean, it sounds gross. <laughs> it's objectively gross, but at the same time, it's like, okay, there's microbes. There's these little tiny organisms that make you healthy in your fecal matter. You move that into someone else's body whose microbes are out of whack. And now those microbes, they reproduce and they grow and they create a culture in your microbiome. And all of a sudden your uh, gut microbiome is healthy. So it makes sense that your vagina, which also has a microbiome, would be the same way. And it's really, it's just, it's it's neat. It is. Fecal transplants I... only sound gross. It's really just taking someone else's poop up your butt. <laughs> See, it may sound gross, but when you describe it. I'm, I'm really surprised that it took us 10 episodes to get to talk about microbiomes because they are, as you two mentioned, they are hot shit right now. Oh, absolutely. They are one of the biggest things Yeah, I'm surprised around. we haven't seen anything about um, it relating to, like, mental health issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I looked up uh, various things that are connected with your microbiome. And the answer is all and of it. It's, as, I, <laughs> as I think Kyle mentioned, microbiomes are essentially like, you have tons of bacteria inside you. Like, that's inside normal, you, you're supposed you. to. You're never yeah. alone. Yeah, you're... <laughs> you will always have millions of friends. You have literally an ecosystem inside you all the time. They're here. But how? Wh what that ecosystem is, the diversity, the quantity, and all that stuff, does affect you. And we're, as we're finding out more and more, it affects everything. Uh, here is a list of not not comprehensive, but a, a list of many of the things that your microbiome is linked to. Uh, Not acne. necessarily conclusively, but linked. No, no, yes, that is, we'll get to that. Okay. Uh, so acne, antibiotic-associated diarrhea, asthma and allergies, autism, autoimmune diseases, cancer, dental cavities, depression and anxiety, diabetes, eczema, gastric ulcers, hardening of the arteries, inflammatory bowel diseases, malnutrition, and obesity. What a fun list. Oh, yeah. So everything. All the things. All those teeny little guys control everything. They're controlling you right now. Hello, Dave. <laughs> I, 
I'm sorry, Dave. I can't do that. And, and many of these are not conclusive. Many of these are still in the very early stages. That's why they call this a pilot study. A pilot study is just kind of like, is it even possible? How much is it going to cost? Mm -hmm. And it's important to note that they only did this with a small select... They did it with a sample of women. And so they had... Was it three or four women? Who it had... was five. Okay, so they have... Five women, four of whom uh, experienced remission. Yeah. Right? Yes. And one who experienced improved condition, but her case was very special and she had to take yeah. antibiotics for other reasons. So that kind of messed up the... Yeah. 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 She had a throat illness, I believe, and she had to take antibiotics for that. So that might have messed up yeah. the way yeah. that they worked. Uh, there, were, there were five women who received the treatment mm -hmm. uh, and got fluids from three volunteers who are heroes for doing yes. this. Yes, yes. <laughs> I would like to see the, um, you know how in universities they'll often post, or just not even in universities, uh, when people are looking for study participants, they'll put like oh, gosh. a little notice up. I would love to read this study posting. Hey, we need your vagina. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to change the world with your vagina? It's easier than you think, if you fit these criteria. I actually, you know what? I, I would like to briefly touch on, I think, the ick factor and just, I'm wondering for the reasons behind it. Like, I don't know that there's that much of an ick factor. No, it's, I think we're getting better about talking about vaginas. There's been like a more recent push to be like, hey, it's a vagina. People, Say the word vagina. People got them. It's okay. I, have... I think it's... Like, for me personally, I want to limit my interactions with bodily fluids as much as possible. Yes, th this is of true. Of all kinds. Yes. So. so I think it's less the vaginal part of it and more the fluid part of it. Well, you keep saying mm, fluid yeah. and I am uncomfortable, so thanks for that. What do you want me to say? What would you like me to call it, Kyle? What would you like me to describe it as? Ooh, what if we did secretion? Oh, no. no. Vaginal secretion. No, that's, that's what I'm saying. You don't like the word fluids, it's the best option. That's true. It really it is. Really it's is. the best of the worst. Uh, I like uh, this. We talked about the excitement surrounding these type of procedures and microbiome treatments. Uh, this comes straight from the article. This study comes amid a gush of enthusiasm. I Ugh, read yeah. that and oh. I was like, how dare they do oh, that to That me. can't be. That has how, to be on purpose. How dare you use oh, that word? Oh, it super was? Yeah, and how dare you? Yeah. <laughs> it's a female author for the record. First yeah. of all, I saw what you did there. Second of all, how dare <laughs> you? <laughs> There are, as they sit down at the bottom, there are two further trials in progress. And that's that's the big thing here, is that there's still a lot of studies mm -hmm. that need to be done. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like they said, it's a pilot study. Yeah, yeah it's a pilot study, exactly. And it's a yeah. very encouraging if pilot it, study. Overall, yeah. If it turns out to be generalizable, then this is a fantastic treatment option for intractable, not incurable, yes. intractable illnesses. Treatment-resistant bacterial vaginosis. Y'all want to talk about how the universe has conspired against me to not be allowed to record this podcast? Uh, yeah, I, I kind of do. do. Kyle, tell me, tell me the tale. Tell me the tale of your day. Ugh. <laughs> I am down south visiting my family for Thanksgiving. I defined down, down south. Doing... Like, not Louisiana. No, oh, southern Ontario. Ellen. That twinning. Are you as south as I am, even? You're in London right now. I'm in London right I'm now, Ontario. and then I'm heading... Yeah, I'm London right now, and then I'm heading to Niagara to visit the other side of the family, uh, during which we're going to... Is Niagara further south, or is it just sort of due lateral? It's sort of lateral, but I'm visiting my relatives, and my 
cousin whom I love and needs a good female role model in her life on occasion and I'm super chill and cool oh. apparently so she likes to hang out with me she wanted to get lunch and I wouldn't be able to see her because she couldn't get the weekend off of work so I agreed to go get lunch to her and my plan was we're gonna go get lunch I'm gonna drop her off at work and I'm gonna come back here Kyle you're a fool yes <laughs> I didn't know that so all of downtown like it's a big stretch of downtown London under construction right now they ripped up the road so you have to take a detour to get into downtown London so I did of that course. and we got to the restaurant and it was great the food was good but it also took us an hour to get our food so I'm sitting oh, there waiting for food the clock's ticking I'm having a great conversation and a cup of coffee with my cousin it was wonderful but the food took so However. long and then it was like, was it like, was it just like super busy or was it one of those weird times where it, you're like, it, why is this happening? It, probably also worth pointing out that this is Canadian Thanksgiving. Yes. And we, if we have listeners outside of Canada, we are recording this on the Saturday yes. of Thanksgiving. Happy Canadian weekend. Thanksgiving. Happy Canadian Thanksgiving, yeah. my friends. So the food was late, but it got there. We ate. It was wonderful. And then there was traffic on the way back. And I I was borrowing my grandparents' car, so I was, like, in this, like, fine line of, like, okay, I want to drive fast, I want to drive efficiently, but I also don't want to drive stupid because this is their new car, so I was driving careful, but I was trying to drive fast, and I got here, and it was, like, about 15 minutes after we had agreed to start, and I ran in, and my my little cousin is here, he's six years old and adorable. My big, little, medium, large, extra large. It's like the Goldilocks of cousins. (laughs) (laughs) This cousin's too big. This cousin's too small. This, this cousin, cousin is just, just right. You know what? Screw you guys. <laughs> Our second paper today comes from National Geographic and a study in marine policy. The sea is running out of fish, despite nations' pledges to stop it. Major countries that are promising to curtail funding for fisheries are nevertheless increasing handouts for the seafood industry. There is no positive lining in this paper. This Absolutely not. Were you feeling good about yourself? Because that's going to stop. <sighs> yep. I did find it interesting, though, that this is a science article, but it's a side of science that is not often, like, thought about when people think of science. It's, like, studying policy, and it's more like, I don't know if this is science economics, but I don't know. I thought it was interesting purely for, it's an article about a part, an area of science that I don't think often gets the spotlight. Mm-hmm. It does a pretty decent job of not just being doom and gloom as a think it's very easy for some of these articles to do about like things are bad and things Mm -hmm. are bad and then that's it like this gives a lot more like context and why are things bad and how do we stop them from being bad there's a natural through line yeah and the biggest takeaway for me here is the difference between subsidies and harmful subsidies yes because like i this was new to me but just giving subsidies to the fishing industry isn't necessarily bad it's what type of subsidies are you giving? And they point to harmful subsidies that promote overfishing and illegal fishing, such as underwriting fuel costs to industrial trawlers, which seems reasonable when you first think about it, but if it wasn't for these subsidies, illegal fishing wouldn't mm-hmm. be so profitable. And this allows them to, these trawlers, which have these massive nets that just scoop up all the fishes and allows them to yeah. basically it cuts the cost of fuel so they can go out deeper in the ocean where we have more fish larger schools and they can just you know scoop them yeah you know trawlers trawlers are to fishing what clear cutting is to forestry essentially that's a good one it's just it's not targeted it's just exactly. everything is exactly. being picked up we're taking and everything. like fishing was more it's it can be a sustainable practice if you're like you know catching what is needed catching uh 
only certain species yeah. and you're catching it in certain coastal times, areas certain places exactly Avo- yeah it's like avoiding breeding yeah. seasons like anything, like anything sustainable fishing requires regulation yeah so i thought this was a really interesting article just for shedding light on the fact that even though this is a recognized problem there's still some tom fuckery going on you could, in theory, it's difficult, but you could calculate the amount of fish that you could take out of the and sea they have every year. It, which is why science plays such an important role in the, policy. Yeah. The problem with that calculation... And keep it sustainable. Yeah, the problem with that calculation is, I think it's... What I got from that is that those calculations are very, very complicated. Yes. But also, the solution is not to just keep funding these things that we actually know are really really bad yeah well and the other issue is that we're overshooting those like a lot yeah like we're we're taking it way too many fish for it to still be sustainable for years and years to come and even if those calculations aren't fully accurate they're a pretty good estimate they're based on the knowledge and the research and the data that we have so overshooting them like if anything we should be aiming to undershoot them because we don't know if they're accurate but like deliberately going over them and not just that the fact that publicly saying hey we're gonna stop doing this stuff so that way we stop going way over these targets but then privately continuing to do the stuff so that you go over the targets exactly it's scummy and so it's an interesting article for that i'm i'm trying to i'm trying to avoid the obvious catastrophizing thoughts that well i mean about but <laughs> it's good that we know about it like there's no sense in just no ignoring no. it uh, you run into issues with things like this like i know i run into this issue of the what i call the or what's called the finite pool of worry mm-hmm. you can only like this is just a thing but you can only worry about so much at mm-hmm. any given time Mm-hmm. And I've got lots of other things to worry about it. Don't you worry. <laughs> Don't add this to your worry pile. Yeah. Do not add Alan to your worry pile. He does not need to be there. But the thing is, like, how do you balance this set with mm-hmm. all the other issues that you have in your life? Yeah. Well, because because I mean... climate change also affects fish populations because yeah. as the ocean yeah. temperatures are rising, it affects their breeding, it affects their feeding. And so that's also causing a decline in fish populations. So where do you place your worry when, you know, fish are dying in the oceans because we're making it too hot and also they're getting taken out of the oceans because we're taking out too much and everything is sad it's a bad time to be a it's fish a bad... <laughs> just, just a bad time to be a fish yeah basically yeah i i would solve it by just not being a fish yes yeah. have you tried have you, not? Tried have you considered not being a fish have you tried yoga also not being a fish have you tried crossfit <laughs> have you tried to have just you... live yeah just live laugh love don't be a fish <laughs> bang more <laughs> have more little fish <laughs> Get more fluids in your life. Yeah. Drink water, but don't be a fish. I mean, <laughs> drink water. I would. I don't think fish. hydration is the biggest issue for a fish. <laughs> no, hydration is key. Hydration solves everything, don't you? Yeah, okay. drink water. If you drink I, more water. Well, I mean, apparently, just solve everything because they are living in water and it's yeah, not no, going well. If now. you drink more water, everything is fine. The one thing I wasn't certain about is, so they the data for this study came from a. They say an exhaustive survey, so I assume they did their work. Uh, Just means they're tired. (laughs) I mean, no, they did an exhaustive survey of the subsidies that were going out from all these different governments in 152 countries, and they found out. And the one thing I wasn't clear about is they said there is, um, despite public pledges uh, to stop subsidies by these over um, by these 152 countries, 
they privately hand out $22 billion in harmful subsidies each year. And I wasn't sure if that's $22 billion total for 152 countries, which technically doesn't seem like a lot, but at the same time, it's causing a lot of harm. Um, I, th- I think you're underestimating a little bit how much $22 I billion mean, is. $22 billion is a lot of money. It'd be a lot of money to have, <laughs> yes. but also it's it's... It's a lot of money to have, but it's not a lot of money to spend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the difference between a million and a billion is underrated. Yes. And massive. But like when you think about like, like the, like the scale of like budgets and like the global scale of budgets and economy on a yeah, global scale, fair. 22 billion is not a lot of money, especially if it's split between 152 countries. Yeah. But at the same time, but what it's doing, what it's doing is like the fact that $22 billion, which it's split between 152 countries is not technically a lot but the fact that it's decimating our oceans is like yeah. wow that's that's depressing china provided the most subsidies of any nation with 7.2 billion which is 21 percent of the yeah. global amount mm-hmm. um and they say that some of those subsidies are considered beneficial such as the ones that pay for sustainable management of fisheries yeah. but the beneficial subsidies fell by 73 percent while those considered harmful more than doubled ouch 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 so if that's 22 billion was all of a sudden redirected into these beneficial subsidies for sustainable management and they're actually like providing money to trawlers that are like hey we do this sustainable fishing practice and we can only mm-hmm. catch these species and we release these species and we follow these reasonable practices if you subsidize those people and say hey you guys that are doing all the illegal fishing and the overfishing you get no money that's ideally the where where you want that money to go yes elect me for president Kyle Bynes, 2020. When I am president, there'll be a fish in every house and two more fish in every house. Teach a man to fish and he'll eat for a day. Stop subsidizing illegal fishing and there will be fish to fish tomorrow. Well, I don't actually think that this is so much of a call to (laughs) decrease subsidies as much as is a call to redirect redirect the money that is already in it. Yes. And also. Yeah, you don't have to just take the money out. Yeah making us aware of something that unless we are in this world of fisheries and subsidies there's no way that we would know about mm-hmm. this yeah okay so then that's the next question is like if you're someone at home listening to this and you're eating a, i don't know a nice bowl of fish what do you do about this because um, i'm i'm hesitant to like the obvious thing is to don't eat fish but i'm hesitant to like really pressure that much because you're not just gonna get the entire world to stop i would fish. say look at who is doing sustainable practices consume your products that are sustainable yeah, yeah. i i personally i think it comes from policy mm-hmm. oh, i think yeah. you need big changes yeah. at like an upper level and if like i eat less fish this year yeah that's not gonna hurt that's good but oh, yeah big yeah. change comes from policy but everybody plays their part yeah. With... yeah yeah everyone should do their part but if you if the world's gonna change it's gonna come through oh, policy absolutely Our third paper today comes from RealClearScience.com. Scientists believe that the function of zebra stripes are to deter insects, so a team of researchers painted black and white stripes on cows. They found that it reduced the number of biting flies landing on the cows by more than 50%. I just love the thought process behind this of like, okay, zebra stripes seem to deter insects. How are we going to test this? Let's just paint cows. Cows. Yeah. Let's just paint them. Sometimes the most obvious solution is the easiest one. I also would really, before Kyle brings us into the darkness, I would like to point out one of my favorite points where they were like, where they said, painting the cows, which only took about five yes! minutes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I was, like, was going to comment on that too. That's, 
Amazing. Yeah. Each cow, all of the cows, who is painting them? I just appreciate, I love it every time that you read a scientific article that gives you a glimpse into the really ridiculous yes. part of the scientific process. It was a grad like, student. I love that. <laughs> it was definitely grad student. They're, they're pretty solid stripes too. I'm going to have to post a couple of these images that we've been yeah, talking about. Post, this one and the, post the, the shitty vagina vaginal photo. flower picture. Absolutely. It's a pretty solid looking stripes in the cow too. Like they labeled, they labeled the picture the leg, leg, which I get <laughs> such a kick out leg. of. Same with the body being labeled body. What have you found? Leg. Yeah. The least effective labels of all time. <laughs> all right. I think, I mean, if you can paint a cow in five minutes, that's study in and of itself. Which of our grad students can paint the cows faster? <laughs> I, I'd that's, watch that. That's who gets the funding. Okay, but 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 to be fair, they painted the tail too. To be fair, my so. My brothers have worked in and around dairy farms and cows are tricky to work with because the cows are very sweet. They're very, they're actually relatively intelligent animals, but they are big and they don't know that they're big and they run no. into you and they bump into you exactly. and they, they injure like, like milking a cow. Like you are prone to injuries because they just shift around. So five minutes is actually very impressive to paint a cow. Yeah. You should ask your brothers if they have ever painted cows, and if they haven't, you should ask them why. <laughs> and if they have, you should ask why. If they say yes, ask why. In you should ask them why and then get back why. to us. Yeah. Don't even ask them about cows. Just, just <laughs> ask just why. Ask why. Well, to get into the why paint a cow, the reason they do it is because when flies are on cows, they low it irritates them, it annoys them, they take all these avoidance behaviors, they decrease their grazing, they eat less, they sleep less, and then they're more prone to stress and injury and they clump together to avoid the uh flies and it just it leads to a whole mess of problems. So there's a the reason that they did this study is to try and recoup economic losses that come from, you know, cattle bashing into each other and getting stressed out because of all the flies. They they said that the damage done by biting flies equates to two point two billion yearly economic losses yeah. for the U.S. cattle mm -hmm. industry. That's mm -hmm. a ton. Yeah, way more than I would have thought. Yeah, all them flies. Well, you know, them all them flies. flies to bring the mood down. It's because the U.S. cattle industry, not all but most, is horrible factory farming where cows are crammed in together with tons of flies. Yay! Yes. I was wondering which angle you were going to take to bring it down. Factory you know farm. That is a correct angle. We don't really like thinking about cows any more than we have to. Yeah. For a variety of reasons. Because, like, as you said, they're decently intelligent for animals. Yeah. They have one of the potential issues with this treatment is that the cows may not like being painted with stripes. And it might affect yeah. them socially. And that's an actual issue. Yeah. What if someone takes 20 minutes to be painted because he doesn't like his stripes? <laughs> Nobody wants to think of their food as someone's friend. <laughs> so we just try not to think about the fact that they're actually relatively smart and have friends mm -hmm. and are social yeah i don't know i have my own i have my own views on eating meat which you know we could go into but absolutely should not mm -hmm. we've already told people not no to eat fish so we gotta yeah we can't tell them well, not to eat anything. but no you can I think eat it sustainably like, sourced there is sustainably yeah, sourced beef back back to sustainability yeah. back to except here sustainable and, it's and than ever. ethical mm -hmm. ethically sourced this is this is purely just how do we get flies yeah. off of cattle? Yeah. Like this is why improve their living conditions. I agree with you. Everyone should them. eat sustainably, but yeah. this isn't what this particular no, no, study no. is about. This is saying that a lot of the cow industry uses pesticides to battle flies. Yeah, because yeah. and this would be a, yeah. a less toxic method with yeah. non-toxic paint. Yeah, 
So mm. this is definitely a better solution than spraying cows with pesticides. Yeah, for now, yeah. Also, the sample size on this is six cows. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Give me those six little cows. Six <laughs> like little zebra cows. That is a garbage sample yeah, size. It sure is. I mean, we just talked about a study that had five people. This one has six. Mm. So in total, we've we've looked at 11 things today. <laughs> but how many fish? Well, billions. But Many like, fish, but they're all dead. Yeah, 152 They're countries. all dead. Mm. 152? Yeah. But, like, the difference, and both articles did a good job of pointing out that further study needed to be done, but the difference was that the bacterial vaginosis one, they make it clear that it's a case study, whereas this is, uh, like, described as, like, like, it's very promising research, but it's, you, you do need to think about it in the same light as this is a case study, this isn't something that can be generalized yet. It worked on these six mm -hmm. cows. Will it work on different breeds? Will it work in different locations? Yes. Like you have to... Because they, they painted just straight black cows, right? Yeah. yeah. So they, they took black cows and they painted white stripes on them to get the striping yes. pattern. Then they took... Yeah. Then they also took the black yeah. the same black cows or maybe a different six black cows. They, don't, they weren't really clear on that. They painted them with white stripes so you get the black and white zebra striping. Um, which I guess means that zebras are black with white stripes instead of white with black stripes. But mm, don't think that's what that proves that yeah, at all. It definitely yeah, that, does. Kyle, you did it. It definitely it does. Nope. I have proven it. it has been proven. I have connected the dots. <laughs> you made a black cow white and then used that to prove the zebras are black with white exactly. stripes. Exactly. All right. Uh, but so they took black cows and they painted them with white stripes to get the black and white zebra striping. And then they paint, took the black cows and they gave them black stripes to make sure it wasn't the chemicals in the paint that were affecting mm -hmm. the flies. And then they just left some, fly, uh, yeah. some cows on their own saying, screw you guys. Yeah. Get bit. Go forth, cows. Go forth. Go forth and get bit. I'm actually... Okay, so I'm so happy <laughs> get, that they yeah. painted... I'm so happy they painted the black cows with black stripes as well. Because it's such a great way of yeah. just eliminating a variable. Yeah. Like, it's such a small and just obvious thing. But I just yeah. love that little bit of... Yeah. I don't know why. I just love it. Well, a little bit of, like, just... It's problem solving. Yeah. Exactly. It was a really smart way to be like, okay, you know what could be a factor is chemicals in paint could deter the flies. So let's stick some black so they don't get the striping but they still have the paint on them let's see if that exactly. makes a difference and it didn't well, they still get the stripe they still get the striping but they don't have the color contrast and the the stripey boys did show a lot yeah. less uh, fly yeah. and the the reason that they think that is um for the same reason they think it is with zebras is that uh the striping the current theory that they haven't proven yet but the current hypothesis is that it interferes with the motion detection of insects. So they see the striping and it confuses their emotions uh, and detectors. So it now confuses they, their emotions? It, it confuses their emotions. They don't know how they feel about stripes. You know, they prefer polka dots. And uh, This fly's Facebook status is emotionally confused. But would, but would horizontal stripes... There's a confounding variable. Would horizontal stripes make a difference? Horablontal. Horablontal. What about racing stripes? Ooh. Would they be able what to if, run the flies? What if we wrote flies go away? <laughs> this is a no fly zone. Flies, what if we just paint out. not a cow on them? Not a cow. What if we painted leg body? <laughs> we just draw a horse on them. <laughs> we draw we draw frogs so that the so that the flies are like, oh yeah. shit, I can't land here. I just had the dumbest thought. I'm like, what if this is why racing stripes won? Is because all the other horses were being irritated by flies, but but racing stripes, he don't have no flies on him. He is zebra. What? what is, do you, oh, do you remember I have no the idea what you were talking about. Do you remember the about? movie Racing Stripes? No. Sure don't. No. <laughs> Kyle. 
<laughs> no one's ever seen that movie except for you, Cal. You're the only Why, person in the world. Is that a weird, like, childhood horse girl <laughs> movie? A... Is that like Air Bud, but with zebras instead of it horses? It was a child. Dog, so. It was like Flicka, but zebras. What the hell's a Flicka? What is Flicka? I watched a lot of horse Kyle. girl movies as a kid. I wasn't a horse girl, oh but I God, wanted God. to be. I don't know what I like better about this. The fact that Sarah and I have literally never heard of these things, <laughs> but the fact that you brought up so casually as to just assume that we would know exactly what you're talking about. I, I appreciate the fact that your experience is so not universal, but you're like, guys. But she thinks it is. Racing stripes. Yeah, you guys know racing stripes and Flicka? No, no, we don't. Okay, also, what is Flicka? It's a it's a what is it's this? another horse girl movie. She wants to train the horse. Her dad says, "No, you can't. You can't train that horse. It's wild." And it's like, "You don't That's understand." Every oh, so it's every horse movie every ever horse made. It's every okay. horse movie ever. ever. All of them yeah. ever. All right. Yes. All out of time for this episode. I'd like to thank Sarah and Cal for joining thank me today. Thank you. If you have any comments or questions about the papers we talked about today, tweet at us at @rsciencepod on Twitter. That's O U R sciencepod on Twitter. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.